Good morning. Good time of worship. I was thinking when we were worshiping, just how we're you know still in this pandemic and still struggling, powering through it as it drags on. But thinking about all that has happened throughout history, church history, um, all the persecutions, all the pandemics and economic crashes and wars that have happened and all the things that have tested the people of God throughout the years. And the Bible actually encourages us to stand firm despite what happens. Uh, it says in First Peter, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing were happening to you. Um, it's an expected thing. But when trials come, uh, our posture must be to remain firm. It is a test. And these great tests that come uh, push some of God's people away. They cause some to fall away. We have to realize that God is behind everything. And, you know, there's a lot of theological discussion around that. You know, does God order everything, orchestrate everything? Does he allow things? Does he permit things? Is God, you know, up in heaven just like, oh, this pandemic, when is it going to be over? Um, I don't think so. God allows we can at least take that middle ground of God allows things to happen. And he allows it to test us. So let's just remember that. Um, that whatever happens. I had a, just a prayer time this week saying, God, you know, maybe uh, you know, every year we come into the year, oh, this is going to be a better year. Thank God 2001 is behind us. 2020 was terrible. Uh, this is going to be an awesome year. You know, like, but I just kind of had a, a pause and just thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll get worse. Maybe 2022 will be worse. Maybe it'll be coupled with economic depression. Maybe other things will happen. Maybe we'll go to war. Maybe who knows, like, what can happen. But no matter what happens, what are we going to do? We've got to stand firm. We've got to cling to him. We've got to walk with God. And I know one thing. It's God's will for his church to flourish in every season. There's never a year where God says, yeah, this year it's going to be tough because, you know, there's a pandemic or it's going to be tough economically or there's going to be a great persecution coming. So, Therefore, my church is not going to be able to flourish. No. In fact, I would say the greatest potential for flourishing is often in times of trouble, in times of difficulty, in times of persecution. That has been when the church has shined the brightest. So be encouraged by that. You know, I think we get 
probably way too discouraged about the circumstances, and we just want everything, you know, it's natural. We want everything just to go right. We want everything to fall into perfect place and want it to be the best year ever. You know, we like our blessings. We like things to go well. But just have a mindset this year that says, you know, whatever happens, whatever happens, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flourish in Jesus that has to be our, our posture. And that's good news, that nothing can shut us up. Nothing can stop us. Nothing can, nothing can quench the fire in the church. Amen? So, yeah, don't let, don't let circumstances discourage. Uh, don't let anything separate you from the love of God. All right, well, today I'm talking about, we're in this series called Rhythms, and uh, last week we talked about the pursuit of God, talked about prayer a little bit, and working through the obstacles. We're going to do this throughout the month of January, talking about different, different ways that we can access the grace of God. And so today, we're going to talk about studying Scripture and how important this is to our lives. I thought it would be interesting to just let you know, this would be a good time to do it, I guess, let you know the different types of sermons there are, uh, just so you understand kind of why it sounds different some weeks or some months. Uh, I think probably the most common way that we approach the scriptures is expository preaching, which is just kind of going through, either going through the word or taking one portion of scripture and uh, just dissecting it and really kind of getting to the root of what the author was trying to communicate. Um, I love expository preaching. But there are other uh, types of preaching as well. Um, I think some get too strict about that, like only expository, and every sermon is expository. But if you look at all of the messages and sermons in the Bible, uh, they weren't all expository sermons. Sometimes you just had uh, what I like to call extemporaneous. Maybe this was Peter on the day of Pentecost, the first sermon in the church. Uh, He got it. This was not an expository message. He didn't say, okay, everyone, uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13. Uh, we're going to look at the first five verses. Like, it wasn't like that. He just got up. I'm not even sure if he knew what he was going to say. Extemporaneous. He opened his mouth and God spoke through him. And that's a kind of preaching. I don't do that very often at all. Uh, but every great once in a while, I trash my sermon to the side, and the Spirit of God just puts something on me, and I speak it out, and there's a place for that. Some would call that like a prophetic moment in the life of the church. Again, it shouldn't be overused. I think pastors doing extemporaneous sermons every week are probably not doing their homework. They should be uh, studying. Another kind of sermon is the kind of the thematic sermon series or the topical sermon when we just take an idea like 
let's say, the sovereignty of God. Or uh, prayer is a great topic in the Word of God. When you just take one uh, particular idea and you press it home and you kind of look at the entire Bible and you draw from all different places. Um, in, in the study of theology, it would be systematic theology where you're taking you know, one topic and saying, you know, what does the Bible say about this particular thing? And I think sometimes uh, sermons work well. Certain topics work well um, with that kind of with that kind of preaching. Um, another kind of preaching is what I like to call the pastoral talk, uh, just the instruction, just the the father talks. You know, the okay, I just need to say some stuff. You know, just need to instruct uh, the people. And I think these messages in January will be probably more in the somewhere in between a, a theme talk and pastoral talks because a lot of it is just instructive and just giving you ideas and suggestions on how to do this well, how to pursue God today, talking about how to study the scripture. But you'll notice that through the years we've done, like if you look at the archives of sermons on our website, we've done all these different kinds of sermons and they're all good. I just want to encourage you to stay open and, and, and just give me as the pastor some, some freedom to sometimes just talk or uh, sometimes just go off on something. I think all of these different uh, types of, of preaching are necessary in the life of the church. Um, again, you know, I think some get a little rigid about it and just think that you can only do it expository, but I feel like there's, there's just something missing sometimes. I think, uh, again, I think it's just sometimes got to set aside the expository sermon and all the, you know, mechanics of that and just talk to the church. Um, so there's a place for that. Anyways, I thought that would be a little fun thing to throw in there as an intro. So today I want to talk about studying scripture. Um, I think it's, you know, something we all uh, know is important. I'm not going to press you too hard on to convince you that you should study the Bible. I think we probably all know that if we're Christians. If you're not a Christian and you're considering being a Christian, just know that studying the scripture is a huge part of the Christian life. Even if you don't like homework, uh, it's just part of it. It's part of the discipline of the Christian life. So I think that, uh, and maybe I'm being a little funny, but you know, sometimes... Christians approach the Bible in some funny ways. You know, we uh, just, has anybody ever done this? Lord, speak to me today. Okay, here we go. Jesus. Okay. And the prophet replied, by the troops, what does it say? The Lord says, by the troops from the provinces. I knew it, that's it. I knew that was the problem. <laughs> so um, don't do that. Okay, that's a very dangerous way to study the Bible. But I think another, probably the more common way people study the Word, they're like, okay, it's my time with God. And uh, they just kind of flip around and maybe read a little, little here, a little there, a little, little in the New Testament, just to try to find, 
just searching around, stumbling, fumbling to try to find something that's interesting. Um, I wouldn't recommend that either. I've done that many times, but that's not a great way to study the scriptures. I think another way that people approach the word is they just stick with their favorite portions. We all have our favorite portions if, you, if you've been a Christian for any length of time. You know, I love Isaiah 58, Isaiah 53. I love Isaiah. It's just a great, great book. Um, I don't know, the prayer in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. There's just so many favorite portions. So it's, you know, comforting. Oh, Psalm 23. Let me just stick with my favorite portions. I'm not saying it's not good to have favorites, but we have to kind of break out of that and, and really go deeper. Another way that Christians approach the word, and I'm not sure if this is even better, but they, you know, they read through the Bible, maybe read through the Bible in a year, which is a good thing. I'm going to encourage that a little bit. But I think there's a danger sometimes of just reading the way uh, sometimes first graders do the, the Pledge of Allegiance you know, like when they, I just remember, you know, like the kids, nobody knew what they were even saying, but they knew it, like they had it down. You know, they, they would just say all the words perfectly because he kind of had to. Um, the teacher would train you, but really the different phrases and words, like most kids don't really understand what's, what's going on. And we can do the same thing with the Bible. You know, okay, what's our daily reading for today? Great, it's uh, Amos the first three chapters and, uh, you know, Psalm 17 or whatever. Okay, so we're reading through. We read the three chapters and read the four chapters, read the Psalm. But what is it? What did we just read? You know what we feel good? Is that, that religious part of us? It feels like, yeah, I read my Bible today. I'm a good Christian. Um, but we didn't understand it. Don't do that. that. That's really kind of empty. You know, that, that, that's, we need to go deeper than that. It's not a matter of just reading it. The Bible doesn't say read the Bible. The Bible says get understanding, get wisdom. I think another, you know, problem sometimes we have as maybe this is a Western thing, maybe it's an American thing, I'm not sure, but we're, we're kind of like inspiration junkies. If you were uh, just a wild person before you were a Christian, if you were into drugs and alcohol and partying and just adventure and all that, sometimes we, you know, we become Christians and we, we just want that, we want that adrenaline, you know, we want that like, worship experience it's just gonna like whoa you know just like move us and so we skip bible study gosh that sounds so boring and we go straight for the worship music and we just like feed feast on the worship music which is great i love worship music and we should uh like worship music but there's something so important about the discipline of studying Scripture. It's not super inspiring every moment that you're doing it. It's just not. 
I mean, it, you could apply this to so many different things. It's like music. I love music. You know, they're, they're, you know I'm looking at Dan as a musician. They're, you just have to power through sometimes. It's not fun. It's not always inspiring to like, oh, figure out the chords. Oh, this is a new chord. I've never, what is this chord? Oh, it's so hard to play. You know, and you just got to like keep on trying to do this chord over and over. And it's just like an awkward chord or get this rhythm the right way or just you know, work through music theory and different things, and you just gotta, it's kind of boring in some ways. I mean, you're excited because you know where it leads, but it's not super inspiring when you're doing it. But when you do the work, and then you come out on the other side, and you're able to play the song and, and worship or lead a congregation to worship and kind of nail the song, that's invigorating. So it, there, it leads to inspiration. Um, I mean, if some of you that know what I'm talking about, if you've studied the scriptures, let's say, all week long, and then you have, I don't know, a prayer time with a, a couple of your friends, and so much of what you studied through the week comes like streaming through the time of prayer. It's invigorating. But that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't done the deep study through the week. But we need to learn how to, I guess what I'm saying is we, we can't be inspiration junkies. You know, we have, to, we have to learn to be quiet. We have to learn to just sit still and study and go deep in the word. It's so important. You know, like I said before, it kind of feels like homework sometimes, and maybe you didn't like homework as a kid, or you, you, you know, you didn't like school. Studying the scripture feels like school. Uh, we, we have to get out of that, all of that. Whatever, you, if you didn't like school, just whatever. Who cares? That was in the past. Like, this is a new thing. This is not just a, it's not a textbook. This is life to us. This book is life. We need to figure out what this book means. We need to understand it, and we need to get it deep in our heart. It's, it's our life. It is a matter of life and death, honestly. If we don't do that, we will fall. If we don't do that, we will flounder and be impoverished spiritually. If we do it, we will flourish and we will stand firm. We will stand strong. So it's not just like a matter of learning. It's not just, oh, you know, we should know a lot about the Bible and acquire a lot of knowledge so that we can, I don't know, have an answer for everybody that asks us a theological question. It's not, it's not about that. It's, it's, our, it's our daily bread. We live by this thing. This is, what, this is what keeps us strong through the years. I was praising God on, on my way in, uh, you know, just for 33 years of God's faithfulness that I've been walking with him. And man, it's this book that has kept me because feelings come and go. Man, I am telling you, there have been long seasons where there was no inspiration. There was no tears. There was no feeling of the tangible presence of God. There was no invigorating moments of encountering Jesus month after month after month of dryness. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. Well, get ready because it's coming your way too. I've never met a Christian 
who has said, you know what? I've never had a season of dryness. Every single day has been invigorating and inspiring. Maybe somebody has said that, but they're lying because it's a part of the Christian life to go through dry seasons. What is going to keep us firm in the dry seasons? When you're tested, when you're dumped, when your best friend betrays you, when whatever, you lose your job, when you get disappointments happen, when physical afflictions come, you get some diagnose from the doctor that's not good. What do we do? What, is, what causes us to stand in those times? It's the word of God. It's your understanding of God's word. It's so important. So how do we, well, let's, I'll give you a couple verses here just to stir you up about the, just the calling to get into the word and some of the promises. Joshua 1.8, there's so many verses we could look at. I'll just give you a few. The book of the law is what God said to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. That's the great call right there, to meditate. Not meditate in the way we think of maybe Eastern religion, but meditate means to, to think on and to rethink. Think and think again and think again. Keep chewing it. Keep turning it over and over in your mind. Discuss it. Think about it again. Pray about it. Think about it some more. That's meditation, where you take Scripture and you just you think deeply on it. We're called to think. We can't just read the Bible. That's, it's not, it doesn't do anything magical if we just read the Bible but don't think about it. We have to stop and be like, what does that word mean? I, I, what is that, you know, this phrase, I don't get it. It's confusing. Good, that's good. You're thinking about it. Like, don't just let yourself read it but not understand it. And it's frustrating. I still read so much of the Bible that I don't understand, but it drives me to figure it out. And I'm going to give you some suggestions today on how you can figure things out that you don't understand. Colossians 3.16, one of my favorites, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, the Bible doesn't say read the Bible. It says let the word of God dwell in you richly. That's more than memorization. That's not like, oh, I've memorized 50 verses or 100 verses. That's great. Even if you memorize the whole book of Romans, it doesn't necessarily mean you're letting it dwell within you richly. It is getting it in. Yeah, there is a memorization is a good thing. It's good to be familiar with the word of God and to be able to quote it to have it kind of on your tongue, in your heart, in that way. But it's deeper than just memorization. It's understanding it. It's applying it. That the word is in you to the point that it is, it is affecting every aspect of your life. It guides your mind. You can't do anything without looking at it through the lens of the word. You can't watch a TV show or a movie. You can't listen to a podcast. You can't, you know, be at an event without thinking about the word of God. That's what it means to let it dwell in you richly. It shouldn't be a faint thing in the background, like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be 
that into this thing that I'm reading right now or watching. I wonder what the Bible says. But it's this faint thing. No, it should be in you. You should be full of the word of God, filled with wisdom. All right, my son, Proverbs 2, or daughter, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What always strikes me about that portion is the intensity that nobody, nobody gets an understanding of the knowledge of God. Nobody has the word of God dwelling in them richly with a, just a very casual approach to the Bible. Like every once in a while, you know, try to read a few things or, you know, read a psalm here or there. It's, you're never going to get, there has to be some priority, there has to be some intensity about the way you're, you're going about it. He, he likens it to searching for hidden treasure, right? You know, you don't just, I don't know, take the shovel and scoop up a, a few scoops of dirt and throw it to the side and then call it a day. There's some intensity to searching. There's a, a hunger, right, for treasure. There's a thirst for it. There's a, a desire. There's an intensity. There's a, almost like a bulldog tenacity, like I'm going to figure this thing out. This is the portion of scripture I'm focusing on this week, and I will figure it out. God help me. You have to be kind of desperate in that way. Don't just read it and be like, I don't know, I don't get it, and then give up. Don't give up. You stick with it. You know, this isn't, you don't need to be highly educated. You know, if, if we don't have a lot of formal education, it doesn't matter. Like, God will reveal things to us. God will show us how to understand his word. Um, all right. Each of these is like a little sermon. Proverbs 4, 5, and 9. I'll just read just a couple verses here. It says, it says, get wisdom. Get insight. I think the NIV says, get understanding. Sort of in all you're getting, get this. Get understanding. And then he gives some promises. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight, get understanding. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. There's something about wisdom and understanding when it begins to live on the inside of your heart. There's a contentment there. There's a joy there. It's a feast. It's a sort of bread. It's a treasure uh, within us. 
David said in Psalm 119, something like, you know, I treasure your word, you know, more than, more than earthly treasures, you know, more than great spoil, that your word, when it's on the inside, it just, it gives peace, it gives joy, it protects us, it guards us, it keeps us on the right path, it prospers us. It does so, so much. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, Paul was saying this to Timothy, who is a young minister, but I think it applies to all of us. I think the NIV says, study to show yourself approved. Um, Handle this word in in a right way. Psalm 1, kind of famous, uh, blessed is the man, basically it says, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. His, on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. A tree planted by the water, just drawing the life from that water, just staying firm, staying strong. No matter the winds blow, the storms come, the seasons come and go, but the, the tree just is firm and nourished by the water. That's a picture of our life when we're letting the word of God nourish us. Second Timothy 3.16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God. Can we just stop and take that in? Like, this is not just a textbook. This is not, yes, it was written by all different kinds of writers at all different times of, you know, history, and it's all put together in all the different genres and everything. It's a collection of 66 books, right, that's put together. But it's not just a man-made collection of writings, They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's breathed out by God, inspired by God. And all scripture is profitable, it says in 2 Timothy, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I mean, that's pretty expansive, right? That this, this book has the power, if we get it inside of us, it has the power to shape us into men and women of God. It has the power to transform us into the image of Jesus, to make us like Christ. It has the power to purge us, to cleanse us, to purify us, to change our minds, to make us not think sinful, but to think godly, to think like Jesus. This book is kind of like a a carpenter's chisel. Just little by little by little shaping us. It doesn't just shape our thinking. It does shape our thinking, but as a man thinks, so he is, right? The way you think is going to affect the way you live. Those two are linked So the more the word of God shapes our thinking, it 
begins to affect the way we live. Well, let's get practical for a few minutes. I want to talk about interpretation because a lot of people read the Bible. A lot of people study the Bible. There's a lot of teachers of the Bible around the world. Not everybody handles the Bible in the right way. So I want to give you some encouragement about that. You know, sometimes we we can get so overwhelmed by the complexities of the Bible and just say, well, you know, who knows? Everybody interprets it differently. It's so hard. Who can really know what the truth is? Um, There are certain things that are a mystery, but there's a lot that is clear. And we have a responsibility, actually, to interpret the Bible in an honest, humble way. Good interpretation is very possible. What I mean by interpretation, it's just, you know, if you take a a portion of Scripture to really interpret it accurately and to get to the truth of what the original author was trying to communicate. Um, it's actually something that we can, we can do and we can do really well. It's really more of a moral issue, a heart issue, than it is an intellectual exercise. It's a little bit of both, but the more open we are to letting the scriptures just speak to us, the less we're putting our ideas and our opinions and our desires into it, the more understanding we're going to have. We have to just let the Bible, we can't come to the Bible with what we want it to say. We can't come to the Bible with our agenda and what we're going to do, what we're not going to do. The more surrendered we are, the more we recognize that this is God's word and we should just be in a posture of listening to it. And just let it let it speak. Even if we don't like sometimes what it it says, there are definitely things that are uncomfortable in the word, or things that might not fit well into maybe how we want to live. But we we have to just let the word of God speak to us. Um, the Bible says a lot about the wickedness of distorting the word of God, distorting, twisting the scriptures. Um, It talks about people uh, basically twisting the scriptures or wanting to listen only to teachings that will suit their own desires. We have to be so careful with that. We're all capable of that. You know, we just want it to say what we want it to say. We hope that it means what we want it to mean. We, We have to be so careful with that, I would encourage us to approach the Word of God with a sense of fear and trembling, um, knowing that it is God's Word. An encouragement, too, is to, in your study of Scripture, uh, be careful of being too dogmatic about things. There are some things in the Bible that are not super clear. It doesn't mean that you won't form a strong opinion about it or a firm conviction about it, but uh, I like to call them secondary issues. Uh, For example, uh, drinking wine, drinking beer, whatever, 
Uh, some people don't do it. Some people do. Uh, how much is too much? It's really hard to get a clear answer from the Word of God. Uh, women in ministry, women elders, should women be pastors? Should women teach? Uh, there's a lot of different opinions about these things. I have my opinions. Um, but hold them loosely. You know, just don't get too stuck anyway. I've changed my opinion about a lot of secondary issues through the years. Uh, it's kind of, you know, evolved and shaped in different ways. It's good to just be open-minded about these things that you don't maybe understand too well. And along with that, I would strongly warn you about having allegiance to theological camps. What I mean by that is like a particular, now we're non-denominational as a church, but a denomination or even a particular stream of theology or a particular stream within uh, the Christian movement, you know, kind of like, yeah, those are my people. You know, like I, everything they believe, I believe. Or, you know, even a particular teacher, maybe a Charles Spurgeon or John Piper or whoever, you know, just some famous, oh, whatever they say is like, no, like I'm not loyal to Tim Keller. As awesome as he, I love Tim Keller, but it's okay to disagree or it's okay to question and be like, I'm not sure if I fully agree with that. Don't just take any one teacher or person or movement or denomination um, and just fully sign up for what they what they believe. Well, this is this was my problem with with the assemblies of God that eventually I kind of hit some theological issues where I was like I don't know if I totally fully believe that and had some questions about things and but you know within denominations sadly you're kind of not allowed to do that like you got to just. Sign on the dotted line and just don't ask questions, okay? This is what we believe, and you better believe it. And if you don't believe it, you're out, okay? That, that's just kind of how, that's why we're non-denominational, actually. Uh, because I think it's so important to have your allegiance to God and the truth of the Bible and not to any one particular theological camp. Does that make sense? Just stay open-minded, our allegiance is always to truth. Which, if you really go down that path, you'll find it's a little bit of a lonely path. It's kind of nice to have a tribe, and this is the great temptation. You know, to, we, want, we want a tribe. We want, just want a people. Like, these are my people. You know, this, this particular denomination or whatever. And it's just kind of comforting to have that tribe. But we need to be in the company of people who love the truth in the company of the prophets, maybe, and be willing to, I don't know, not have a tribe for the sake of loving, loving the truth. More to say on that, but I'll leave it there. One of the great principles of interpreting Scripture is that Scripture interprets Scripture. So if you are confused about some verses that you're reading, uh, you can ask yourself, where else can I find this in, in the Bible? And go to some of those other places, some of those cross-references, and try to understand. Or 
maybe the principle of first use. You know, where, where was this idea first introduced in the scriptures? And how was it introduced? What was the context? Those are just kind of some basic uh, things that can help you. I would also encourage you to pay attention to just orthodoxy. Um, you know, what has, what has been taught by Christians for 2,000 years, especially the last 500 years, where there's been, you know, since the printing press and uh, the just incredible access to scholarly work um, that we have just from five, the last 500 years of um, study of Scripture. What is the general consensus of what great scholars have, have thought? Uh, pay attention to that. And, you know, I just don't think that sometimes I'm just really leery of, you know, some new revelation, some new, like, movement that's happening within the body of Christ. There's always something new, right? Some new thing, some new understanding that nobody's understood in the last 2,000 years. I mean, look, I've been around long enough to see these things, they come and they go. You know, the, the new enlightened way of interpreting something in the Bible, it, it, it captures a lot of people and then runs for about 10 years and then starts to collapse and fall apart. Or it's like a house of cards. It starts to tear apart every other part of the scriptures. Uh, pay attention, not just to the modern teachers who are popular today out there, but pay attention. Go back. Who were the great expository preachers in the 1970s, in the 1950s, in the early 1900s? Who were the great scholars and men and women of God who wrote down writings in the 1800s, the 1700s? Uh, pay attention to those those things. Uh, I just don't think orthodox doctrine is going to change ever. There are little tweaks, little, little adjustments, but they're, they're more small improvements or adjustments, just like, like using fine sandpaper. <laughs> Whenever you get teachers coming out and they want to change things significantly. You got to you got to stand back and be like, "No. I don't think so." Pay attention to them, listen to them, see what they have to say, you know, weigh what they have to say, but pay attention to the the great teachers throughout history. Um, recognize that the Bible is made up of a lot of different genres and that each genre should be handled in a different way. For example, there's historical books in in this book uh, there's poems, there's songs, there's proverbs, there's prophetic books, apocalyptic literature, um, there's parables, there's letters written, you know, for example, Paul writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. So each of these different genres must be handled a little, little differently. Uh, I think one of the best books, maybe the go-to book for this would be How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth uh, by Gordon Fee and I think Doug Stewart. Um, just great theologians and it's an easy book really to read. It's a good book just to have on your shelf. As you know, I'm going to get into some parables um, and just to kind of skim through the one chapter on interpreting parables. 
and it, it really is insightful. I'm telling you, what I'm saying this morning is there is so much, it's so important because there's so much mishandling of the scriptures, even by preachers. It just, it happens. Preachers like preach on a parable and twist it up in all different ways. And as one of my mentors used to say, um, that's a, that's a, <laughs> I forgot how he worded it exactly, but that's true, but it, that's not the right verse to use. You know, what, what they're saying is actually, it's a true thing, but they're mishandling the scriptures, and we don't want to do that. So we want to make sure that we're paying attention to these different genres in the Bible. And lastly, in that section, I would just say, the Bible is not, we need to realize the Bible is not written for, to us, directly. Um, right? You know, like there's some, Portions that are giving ceremonial laws for the Jewish people, you know, whatever, 3,000 years ago. Uh, this is not for us. Like, it's, it's for us to kind of, you know, learn about the character of God in that sense. But there are civil laws given to the nation of Israel, okay? So if you read a verse like that, a civil law given to the nation of Israel, you can't apply it directly to your life and say, well, I need to do this tomorrow, um, it's, we're not the Jewish nation, right? We're, this is a different time. We need to understand that some things are just given because, you know, it has a context. Uh, so, you know, just keep those, keep those things in mind. That's, again, why it's dangerous to do this kind of thing. All right, Lord, speak to me. Boom. You know, and just come up with some crazy ceremonial law to the Jewish people. Like, don't eat lobster or something like that. And we're like, that's it. I'm done with lobster for 2002. All right. Um, <clears throat> all right. For these last few minutes, I just want to give you just some really, really super practical ideas. Uh, just to encourage you. You can form this in your own way, but I, I just want to encourage you to have some kind of plan for 2022. Like what are what is your plan to get this book deep inside of you? I would suggest one book at a time. I don't really love reading plans. Maybe it's just me because my life is so crazy because I don't like when it says you're 2 days behind or you're 6 days behind. So the ones where you have to like keep up with it every single day, I find can be a little discouraging. Maybe don't do that if that's you. Some people maybe love that, accountability or whatever. But my encouragement is to take one book of the Bible at a time. And this is what I would recommend. Just casually read it. Uh, let's take the book of Romans, for example. That's a pretty meaty book. Just start by reading it. Don't try to pick apart everything. Just read it or listen to it on audio Bible, you know, when you're driving or exercising or something like that. Just listen, just casually read through the Bible. But then I would encourage you to uh, dig in a little bit to the context. Like, why was this book? If you go to any study Bible, the first few pages of each book of the Bible, it'll give you the purpose, maybe the author, um, 
you know, a little bit of the background. You don't have to go super deep, but it's important to kind of understand why, why was this book written? Like, what was going on at the time? You don't have to get too deep into the history, but just a little context is going to help. But then just casually read through. If it's the book of Romans, casually read through. And then what I would encourage is to go deep somewhere. Like, take... Let's say Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. And you say, you know what? This, I got I to gotta go deep here. You can't just casually read everything. I think it's good to just kind of get the feel for the book, you know, just the casual reading of the book. Maybe even listen to it in the message version or some other kind of paraphrase just to kind of get a feel for the whole book from start to finish. But then pick something and, and go deep with it. And let me encourage you how to, how to do this, all right? Stay with it. Um, how long is it going to take you to listen to the book of Romans? I mean, you can probably do it in a day. It's really, I mean, reading maybe takes longer, but a couple days, a few days. Like, do that first, but then take a portion, like, let's say Romans chapter 8, and just dig deep into it. Read it. And by the way, just pick something. Okay, it's all good. It's all God's word, so it's all going to bless and nourish you. But just as you're listening to or reading through the book of Romans or whatever book you're doing, just pick something. Pick one, don't pick something too big, but just a story, uh, a parable, a portion. Don't bite off too, I mean, probably Romans chapter eight is, is too much, you know. But just take, take a piece of it and go deep. Read it and read it again. And then read it again. And then think about it. Here's some ways to go deep. Read it in other versions. Again, the Message Bible, the Living Bible, kind of paraphrases. They give a little sense to the scripture. If a word doesn't make sense, stop. Pull it out. Write it on a piece of paper. Look it up. Google it. What does this word mean? What does sanctification mean? I don't, I don't, I've, I don't even know what that word means. I mean, sometimes just the dictionary, the regular dictionary can give you some insight. As well, but if there's a word that you don't understand, stop. Figure it out. This takes some time. You know, you can't just do this on the fly. You can't do this when you're driving. You have to figure out with your schedules a time early in the morning or maybe once a week when you can do something like this. Depends on how much time you have, but it, it requires some just sitting down and and doing it. Uh, make some notes, you know, get a notebook, or you can do, you know, if you have the Bible app, you can make notes right inside your app, right under the, the verse. Uh, pray through it. Take the, the verse, put it in front of you, and just verse by verse, you'll be amazed at the insights that begin to bubble up and, and, and come out of you when you just pray over the scriptures. Uh, more than reading or thinking. There's something about it. Just, you know, if you're just, I can't see my Bible here, but if you take a verse uh, of scripture and you just begin to just talk to the Lord about it, like all scripture is breathed out by God. Lord, that is, Lord, the scriptures are, it's not just a textbook, Lord. You like moved by your spirit upon people who were writing this, it was like your ideas, your mind was going into it, like that you wanted us to know these things, God. See what I'm saying? 
Like you just kind of just talk to God about the scriptures and you'll be amazed at what begins to, to come out in those, in those times. Um, so pray through it. Ask people questions. Uh, there are some, I am just one of many, but there are some people who have studied the Bible for decades in this community. Uh, tap into them. You know, write down whatever portion you're studying. Uh, if you have a question or two, write it down and just bug us. You know, bug people. Ask John Michelson. He knows a lot. You know, there, there, there's, some, there's some really good uh, people in this community who probably have the answers to some of your questions. You study Bibles. Uh, like almost like a mini commentary. Um, but a study Bible will give a little sense to, they, they tend to uh, focus on the verses that we probably aren't going to understand because there's some historical context to it and they'll just give a little insight. Cross-references, pay attention to those. It's another way you can dig deep. Um, in, in my Bible app, the ESV Bible app, it'll just have little letters you know, the letter F, and if you click on that letter, then maybe three or four or five other verses in the Bible that sort of relate to or connect to that verse come up. Well, it takes some time and just kind of see see where that goes. Go down those rabbit trails a little bit. Come back. Come back to the porches. Stick with the one. You want to go deep in one spot, but don't be afraid to kind of go to some other places. Again, where was this word used in other places in the Bible. Um, commentaries, there's thousands and thousands of commentaries. I would encourage, um, you know, invest in a commentary. Even just a basic one that kind of gives all the books of the Bible would be a good investment. But you can find stuff. You got to be careful what you Google, you know, because there's a lot of weird stuff out there. But I think if you if you kind of know what you're doing, there's some really good sites that have uh, kind of classic classic commentaries that have kind of stood the test of time that you can go to uh, right online and kind of see what they say. Don't get too deep into that. Like, don't underestimate your own ability to interpret the scriptures. I, I think you don't want you don't want to look to other people for kind of the devotional aspect. You, you just want to, what does this word mean? What's the right context? You just want to make sure that you're, you're handling the verses in the right way. But when it comes to like, oh, what does this have to say about who God is? What does it reveal about God? How should I respond to this? Like, what, why does this matter? Like, don't underestimate your own ability with the Holy Spirit's help to, to make it real, to make it personal. And, you know, come up with your own thoughts. Don't be a parrot. Don't just, you know, study a portion of Scripture and find out what eight different theologians said in the commentaries and just kind of get those ideas in your head. Like, just really ask God, Lord, what, you know, what does this mean for me? Uh, what's, you know, what's a fresh way to apply this to my life? And, and just see, we need, we need you to do that. Because when you come and you then share that with us, man, it's fresh. It's fresh. 
don't come and share something that, you know, Matthew Henry or John Wesley or Jonathan Edwards. I mean, that's fine too, but, you know, it's, it's just not as fresh. Like, what is God speaking to you about this portion of Scripture? Again, what I'm talking about could take two hours, four hours, 20 hours. Can I just encourage you not to be in a hurry? Just take your time. Don't be in a rush. I got to get through every book of the Bible. Like, yeah, just take one book at a time and take one portion or parable or story or chapter even at a time and go deep with that. I think if you do, again, doing this, you might not feel like, oh my gosh, I was so inspired this week. But if you do it day after day, week after week, month after month, there is something that begins to happen. It begins to shape you. You begin to get a picture, a vision of who God is that burns inside of you. But there's no quick, there's no shortcut to get there. Even listening to a great sermon, that's, yeah, maybe there's an inspiration there. But it's, you can't just get that from listening to a sermon each week. You have to do that work brick by brick, stone by stone, little by little over time. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's all I got. Um, there's so much more I could say. I know it was kind of a long, long talk, but uh, thank you for listening, and I hope that you got something out of that. Did anybody get anything out of that? Good. One person, two. Okay. Thank you for those two people. Come on out, Dan. We're going to finish with the song. Let's stand up together. Father, we pray that you would help us to uh, dig deep this year into the word of God. We love your word. Your word is our bread. Your word is our life. Uh, we just, just teach us, Lord. We're we just want to know how to, how, to, how to do it. We want to understand it. We want it to burn within us like a fire. Uh, we want to share it with others. Um, Lord, we want to know you. It's really not about knowing a book, but the book reveals you. And so we want to understand you more. We want to know you more. Uh, we want our minds to be shaped into the image of Jesus. So, Lord, yeah, put your word in us richly. Amen.